Due to the sensitive and mature nature of today's program, parental discretion is advised. Welcome to Living Bread Radio Presents, a program designed to teach and evangelize about the Catholic faith through various speakers and presentations given in the local listening area. Today's show features Daniel Matson and his presentation, Catholic Teaching on Homosexuality is Good News, recorded at Sacred Heart of Jesus Parish in Wadsworth, Ohio, in November 2013. Daniel Matson is a single Catholic man who lives with same-sex attraction. He has found great freedom in the teachings of the Catholic Church and through the universal call to chastity. With part two of his presentation, here is Daniel Matson. So I want to just examine the teachings of the church kind of through my lens as somebody who came back. And we'll go through some of the teachings I'm sure you're familiar with, but I do want to address them directly. All right, so there's these three, these three chapters. Um, I feel this is all I ever really needed to know about homosexuality. It's contained in the Catholic Catechism. So paragraphs 23, 57 through 59. Homosexuality refers to relations between men or between women who experience an exclusive or predominant sexual attraction towards persons of the same sex. I just want to add, oftentimes people ask me, oh, are you dating? You know, because uh, do you believe in pray away the gay or that sort of... I, I, that woman that I dated and hoped to marry, she's a woman that I fell in love with. I'm not particularly attracted to many women at all. And it's, I'm not concerned about that. So I would say I predominantly I'm sexually attracted to men. Uh, homosexuality has taken a great variety of forms throughout the cent- through the centuries and in different cultures. Uh, its psychological genesis remains largely unexplained. It's interesting that the church says that, right? Um, there's a lot of people, it's the nature-nurture thing. Do we know where it comes from? We don't fully know. But it is uh, important to me to realize that the church tells me that it has a psychological genesis. Now, this is more thorough um, than just the APA's use of the word psychological. Psychological in, the, in theology, is, is the people that I've spoken to, moral theologians, has to deal more with the soul and the, and the psychology. Right? Um, in, in John Paul II's great book, Love and Responsibility, he talks about in the, in the course of normal events, a man will become sexually attracted to a woman and vice versa. So that suggests to me that there is something that it leaves the normal course of events. And I don't find that problematic. I, a lot of people don't like that. I want to know the truth, and it makes sense to me if I look back at my life. Basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents homosexual acts as acts of great dep- grave depravity, tradition has always declared that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered. Ah, that's rough language. Somebody I, I gave a, I gave a uh, talk to, they said, man, before I gave a talk, I said, that language is so harsh, right? Well, it's all true, and I've come to accept that, that my relationships have been intrinsically disordered when I have had sex with another man. I'm willing to acknowledge that because I believe that it's true based on who I am made as a man, that I am made for a woman, and to use that sexual faculty in opposition to that is gravely and intrinsically disordered. They are contrary to the natural law. They close the sexual acts of the gift of life. This is why I say I've never, except for the moment of my conception, sex has always been used incorrectly in my life. They do not proceed from a genuine, effective, and sexual complementarity. So not only does natural law point out the fact, if I look in a mirror, I'm a man made for a woman, even if my subjective 
psyche makes it feel as if I'm made more for a man than a woman. Not only is it my body that's made for a woman, but my, my soul, my, 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 the, my affections. I'm psychologically uh, made for a woman, even if I don't experience that. Um, J, Dr. J. Buduchewski says this, we are all made blessedly incomplete. I am not going to be completed with a man. I would only ever be completed with a woman sexually and in an intimate romantic relationship, even if I don't subjectively feel that. This is why under no circumstances can they be, can they be approved. The number of women, men and women, who have deep-seated homosexual tendencies is not negligible. We know that in the world today. It's not 1 in 10, it's not 10%, it's maybe about 25 3%. Um, this inclination, which is objectively disordered, a lot of people don't like that. I have no problem with it. Because I recognize it as true. And what is true is what is good for me. And what is ultimately pastoral. Pope Benedict said that. Only that which is true is what is ultimately pastoral. These are words of truth and goodness to me. It constitutes for most of them a trial. They must be accepted with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. And I think this is an area where we still have to be sensitive about, but that doesn't mean that we have to support same-sex marriage. right? Every sign of unjust discrimination in their regard should be avoided. These persons are called to fulfill God's will in their lives, and if they are Christians, to unite to the sacrifice of the Lord's cross the difficulties they may encounter from their condition. That's that story of, of C.S. Lewis. The boy chooses safety, the man chooses suffering. If there are difficulties in my life because of this, I'm called to unite it with the Lord's cross. And I'm happy to do that. Homosexual persons are called to chastity. And chastity is good news. We, we're, we're sort of embarrassed of chastity. But if we know who we were, we would choose chastity. Um, by the virtues of self-mastery that teach them inner freedom, at times by the support of disinterested friendship, by prayer and sacramental grace, they can and should gradually and resolutely approach Christian per perfection. Now that phrase, disinter disinterested friendship, is a strange one. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean uninterested friendship? Disinterested friendship, that's a very theological term. Christ has a disinterested love in all of us. What that means is there's no goal or aim of getting anything out of it. Disinterested does not mean uninterested or uncaring or uninvolved. Quite the opposite. Disinterested friendship is selfless, self-sacrificial, fully life-giving love. Right? And, and that's I'm grateful that I have a bountiful wealth of friends that I would say I have a disinterested friendship with. They're a great gift to me. Uh, so I want to talk about this. This is something I'm very passionate about. What's in a name? Is anyone LGBTQPAC, pansexual, asexual, curious, right? The world would say yes. The world would say that I am born gay, right? And I want, before I talk about this, I want to speak. This is something that, that Pope Paul VI said to the United Nations, Back in the 60s, the church is an expert in humanity. This is from the new encyclical from uh, Pope Francis. Uh, language itself, the words by which we make sense of our lives and the world around us, comes to us from others preserved in the living memory of others. Self-knowledge is only possible when we share in a greater memory. So the question for me, as a man who lives with same-sex attraction, what is that greater memory that goes beyond to 2013? So here is... Um, this is a bit heady, but it's great. This is Pope Benedict back in 2008, his Christmas address to the Roman Curia. I want to take some time to, to uh, spend some time with the, the, these words of the Pope. If the church speaks of the nature of the human being as man and woman, 
and demands that this order of creation be respected, this is not some antiquated metaphysics. What is involved here is faith in the creator and a readiness to listen to the language of creation. That's the long memory. To disregard this would be the self-destruction of man himself and hence the destruction of God's own work. What is often understood and expressed and understood by the term gender ultimately ends up being man's attempt at self-emancipation from creation and the creator. Man wants to be his own master and alone, always and exclusively, to determine everything that concerns him. Yet in this way he lives in opposition to the truth and opposition to the creator spirit. We shouldn't use the term gender. We have sexes, male and female. That's a very important theme that runs through Pope Benedict's writing about the anthropology of man. And to me, I would add to that, calling myself gay and saying that I have a sexual orientation for men is opposed to the truth of who I am. Here's another quote from uh, Pope Benedict. Uh, he addressed the uh, German Bundestag, and he, he began speaking about the ecology of nature. The importance of ecology is no longer disputed. We must listen to the language of nature. Notice the theme of language. The language of nature, we must answer accordingly. Yet I would like to underline a point that seems to me to be neglected today as in the past. There is also an ecology of man. Man too has a nature that he must re respect and that he cannot manipulate at will. Man is not merely self-creating freedom. Man does not create himself. He is intellect and will, but he is also nature, and his will is rightly ordered if he respects his nature, listens to it, and accepts himself for who he is as one who did not create himself. And in this way and in no other is true human freedom fulfilled. This is one reason I don't call myself gay. I want to respect my God-given nature, which is a man made for women. And to call myself gay is to be opposed to the dignity of who I am made in the image and likeness of God. And the only way I'm going to have truly human freedom is to accept the fact that I am made for women, even if I never feel it. This is great from Pope. I'm doing three, the past three popes. It's a triple play here. It must certainly be admitted that man always exists in a particular culture, but it must also be admitted that man is not exhaustively defined by that same culture. Moreover, the very progress of cultures demonstrates that there is something in man which transcends those cultures. This something is precisely human nature. This nature is itself the, the very measure of culture is man. And the condition ensuring that man does not become the prisoner of any of his cultures but asserts his personal dignity by living in accordance with the profound truth of his being. This is why I'm not going to have sex with a man the best I can. Being calling ourselves gay shows that we're a prisoner of our, our culture, and we need to reject that language as good news about man. I know that's a bit controversial, but I feel pretty strongly about it. And our last three popes, uh, well, we'll talk about Pope Francis in a moment. Um, maybe I'll wrap up with that. So uh, this is the opening section on, um, from the, the Catechism on Chastity. Notice that it says, it all begins with, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when I've, when I've uh, had sexual relationships with another guy, it was consensual. It's what we wanted. We would have said, I'm loving you as myself. But we have to give the caveat that we can be de deceived about what love is. This is love if we knew who we are 
and made in the image and likeness of God. This is how Christ would love us, right? Now, it's also important to see, so uh, the whole sixth commandment um, about adultery covers all of sexuality. But notice the heading, male and female, he created them. That is the essence of human sexuality, is our maleness and femaleness. So right here, this is a reference from Genesis. God created man in his own image. Male and female, he created them. All right. Now, 2332 and 2333, I think, are very important. 2332 says, Sexuality affects all aspects of the human person in the unity of his body and soul. It especially concerns affectivity, the capacity to love and to procreate. And in a more general way, the aptitude for forming bonds of communion with others. A lot of people read that and say, well, okay, because I live with homosexuality, the catechism says that my homosexuality affects all aspects of my human person, right? No, what your sex is is male and female, he created them. My sexuality is my maleness, not whatever I am particularly sexually attracted to. A man has the ability to be sexually attracted to anything and anyone, right? So we have to come back to the truth of, of who we were created to be. 2333 is, uh, I think, a very important paragraph, too. Everyone, man and woman, should acknowledge and accept his sexual identity. We hear a lot about sexual identity, right? What is our sexual identity? I am a man made for women. That is my sexual identity. I, I don't have a sexual identity as a gay man. Physical, moral, and spiritual difference and complementarity are oriented towards the good of marriage and the flourishing of family life, uh, etc. So, <clears throat> this is also very important. This is from 1986 from the CDF. The human person made in the image and likeness of God can hardly be adequately described by a reductionist reference to his or her sexual orientation. Everyone living on the face of the earth has personal problems and difficulties, but challenges to growth, strengths, talents, and gifts as well. Today, the church provides a badly needed context for the care of the human person when she refuses to consider the person as a heterosexual or a homosexual and insists that every person has a fundamental identity, the creature of God, and by grace, his child and heir to eternal life. I don't think a lot of people have read that. Now, this is very interesting. This is from this year. The papal theologian was interviewed. Do you know that the Pope has a theologian? There's been uh, one since, I think, the... 12th or 13th century. This is what he said about a gay identity. The important thing when somebody has a homosexual tendency is to tell such an individual, this is not everything that you are. There are many other qualities in you which are good. You may be an artist. You may be a trombonist. You may be a writer. You may be good in your work. You may be a sportsman or perhaps you're charitable. There are many aspects of your being. Whereas someone who calls himself gay focuses on this condition and makes out of it the supreme sacrament, the supreme justification, the supreme expression of the identity of the individual. Well, once that is elevated and treated as a supreme, the most important bit of information that we have about the individual, such an individual will never free himself from this perverted state and he will never be happy. Now, let me quickly go in there. That's, that's, that would be very offensive to most people, right? And, of course, this is, again, from a theological standpoint that he's saying that. All right, this is, comes back to objectively disordered and intrinsically disordered. Language that people don't particularly like, but I am willing to accept that. I acknowledge the fact that I lived in a perverted state, theologically speaking. I'm not, I mean, I'm disappointed that I've made that choice, but there it is. Uh, and Cardinal Raymond Burke, I, I, was, I asked him this question. 
Because there is a group of, of, of Catholics who pursue chastity, but they call themselves gay. They're very, they say that what makes them wonderful is their queerness or being gay. And I asked him what he would say about that, and he said, I would encourage them if they've attained a certain continence, sexual continence, chastity in that sense, that now they deepen this chastity and see it in the context of the love of Christ, which respects fully our human nature. It comes back to what, there's a theme here. And in that regard, one sees this condition, which is not my identity, and therefore but an aspect of my life, which I need to address, which is out of sync with the way God has made me and called me into being. I need to unite that with the chaste love of Christ that I'm striving to deepen. I think this can be a kind of mistaken approach. If one takes the approach in a narrow way that it's all simply about avoiding unchaste behaviors, which clearly is essential and fundamental, one is not going to grow in the spiritual life. That avoidance of unchaste behaviors and so forth has to become more and more an expression of a deep love of Christ and therefore becomes very fruitful. The person who holds on to the idea that his deepest identity is same-sex attraction and the homosexual condition is effectively blocking himself from an authentic spiritual development. Um, and this is from the, 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 the blog at the United States Catholic Conference of Catholic Bishops about sexual orientation. We hear a lot about that. What the language of sexual orientation does anthropologically is separate one's identity from one's bodily nature as a man or woman, placing a premium on one's desires and inclinations. The body then becomes a bottom layer, essentially meaningless matter over which one's real identity, comprised of desires and inclinations, is superimposed. And this is what I have found here. Christian anthropology, rightly understood, is a message of freedom for every person. Now, here's a question. The church uh, has spoken about this, to come out or not to come out. This is from a document back in 2006. For some persons, revealing their homosexual tendencies to certain close friends, family members, a spiritual director, confessor, or members of a church support group may provide some spiritual and an emotional help and aid them in their growth in the Christian life. In the context of parish life, however, general public self-disclosures are not helpful and should not be encouraged. That's very interesting, right? And it seems what people would say, well, that's homophobic, right? I think that's a manufactured word to stifle conversation. Because I view this as true. Some people have found my blog at, at work, and there's a, there's a picture of me uh, that they're using to promote the, the symphony. And uh, apparently my pinky is up in the air as I hold my slide. And this guy who found my blog came up to me, and he said, You know, Dan, I noticed you got your pinky up. <laughs> as if that's a sign that I'm gay or that I was born gay, right? It's so absurd. I had another friend who found my blog, and he said, your life finally makes sense to me. Well, he's filtering me through the lens of what to be gay means to him. And my life makes sense to him from what basis, right? I'm still the same person. That is one real problem if we have to discourage young people from coming out. Because regardless of what they think it means, the world filters that through a particular lens. And it's not true to the dignity of the human person. And a lot of people will say, well, you need to be true to who you are. I am being true to who I am by saying I'm a man made for women who lives with same-sex attraction. Which I know is very strange. It's strange to hear this, isn't it? Uh, but look at this. this uh, we've just got a few more minutes here before I close. But the catechism, we are body and soul, right? And this is what I want to talk about. When I look in the mirror, my body points more truly as a compass to who I am sexually than my mind does. 
I am equally body and soul. And we think of our body as just sort of a utilitarian thing that we can just use that doesn't really tell truth about us. This, this is um, the final part of this section. The human body shares in the dignity of the image of God. It is a human body precisely because it is animated by a spiritual soul. And it is the whole human person that is intended to become in the body of Christ a temple of the, the, the spirit. This section is from Gaudium et Spes in italics. Man, though made of body and soul, is a unity. Through his very bodily condition, he sums up in himself the elements of the material world. Through him, they are thus brought to their highest perfection and can raise, uh, raise their voice in praise freely given to the Creator. For this reason, man may not despise, despise his bodily life. To me, that says, I need to embrace the truth that I'm a man made for women. Rather, he is obliged to regard his body as good and to hold it in honor since God has created it and will raise it up on the last day. So here we have David. I, am, I would find David far more the pinnacle of beauty than I would Aphrodite. Right? But the unity of soul and body is so profound that one has to consider the soul to be the form of the body. It is because of its spiritual soul that the body made of matter becomes a living human body. Spirit and matter in man are not two natures united, but rather their union forms a single nature. This can be changed, right? We have gotten to a point where we can try to change the body, right? And transgendered and transsexual people, I think that's a painful cross. But his David's body tells him who he's sexually oriented, has a sexual orientation for, right? So here we have Adam and Eve, right? I won't go through this, uh, but it's speaking again about the sexual complementarity. I want to wrap up with um, John Paul II again here. Um, I love that, that image of him. This is something he said, Jesus brings God's commandments to fulfillment, particularly the commandment of love of neighbor. And remember, that's the whole section on sexuality in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It begins with love your neighbors yourself. The commandment of love of neighbor by interiorizing their demands and by bringing out their fullest meaning. Love of neighbor springs from a loving heart, which, precisely because it loves, is ready to live out the loftiest challenges, including not having sex with the, the, the person you want to have sex with. This is a, a, another thing from John Paul II. A genuine love is one in which the true essence of love is realized. A love which is directed to a genuine, not merely an apparent good, in the true way. My love for men is not in the true way. It is not the kind of love that is appropriate for men. Or in other words, the way appropriate to the nature of that good. The nature of the good of men is a brotherhood and a friendship. Even if I don't feel it that way. Genuine love perfects the life and enlarges the existence of the person. False love has directly opposite consequences. A false love is one which directed towards a specious or questionable good, or most often to a genuine good in a way which does not correspond to its nature. A false love is an evil love. In my relationship with the people I've had sex with, I have engaged in an evil love, though it has not felt like it at the time. Um, and I want to be called to this true love that corresponds to the dignity of what kind of Christ, the love Christ would have. And I think it's a worthy adventure. 
C.S. Lewis says, if you think of this world as a place intended simply for our happiness, you find it quite intolerable. Think of it as a place of training and correction, and it's not so bad. <laughs> and I, I think I want to uh, close with that, that thought. Um, so what is, what is the positive life of somebody like me? I never feel, I think this is on automatic play, so I'm going to just unplug that. There. Um, uh, so as far as masculinity, I never feel more like a man than when I'm speaking about this to people. I never feel more fully alive than I'm sharing this as good news um, to people. Uh, I, we're, we're here on this earth as, as pilgrims. We're on a journey. And this is not home. And thanks be to God I live with same-sex attraction because all those desires have been unfulfilled. And I know now that my life does not belong here, that it belongs in heaven. And I am here... I, I will speak as many times as I, as I can to people and say it's a trap to believe that what the world says. As, as John Paul II said, we, we become prisoners of our culture. Um, and I, the group I'm a part of, Courage, we have a great amount of friendship there. There's a great, I like to think of it as a band of brothers, right? You know, that great film. We're in this adventure of a lifetime. Something that I've always been um, drawn to is the story of uh, Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. And there's that great line in there um, where, where Frodo is weighed down by the burden right, of the ring. And so, well, why did this burden come to me? And Gandalf says, uh, it's not our, our, uh, our place to ask that question. But the answer is, what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with that burden? And then he says, I will be here to help carry the load. Right? And this life is an adventure, not a, a 401k plan, right? We, we, we have a mistaken view that this life, as C.S. Lewis says, is intended simply for our happiness. Well, the fact that I realize, and I think about heaven on a daily basis because of this. Thanks be to God I have this in my life. Thanks be to God I have desires that remain unfulfilled. Thanks be to God I feel lonely sometimes. Thanks be to God all those things come into my life. Because it points out to me, where is my true happiness? And that's in the arms of Jesus Christ. And I'm here to try to become more like him and help other people get to heaven and become more like him. And, and that means saying no to my desires, my very strong desires. And if I make a mistake, going quickly to confession and getting back up. And say, by your grace, may you take me, get me to heaven. Um, so this is why I think the teaching of the church is, is truly noble. I think this is a great adventure story. It's not the one I would have written, but I would not rewrite this out of my life. And I wouldn't rewrite The Call of Chastity, and I think chastity is, is good news. Due to time constraints, today's talk will continue next week at the same time. We hope that you've enjoyed this production of Living Bread Radio Presents. For an audio archive of this program, go to livingbreadradio.com and click on the programming menu. This has been a production of Living Bread Radio in Canton, Ohio. Join us again next week at the same time for more Living Bread Radio Presents.